0: Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Will you just turn to those who are around you and just uh, just say hi to them, huh? Don't go handshaking, we're not doing that yet, but just greet them. And as they do that, we greet those of you who have uh, joined us in worship online today. We are always honored that you are with us wherever you are. St. Paul's is a wonderful, caring, loving congregation, and we pray that... Uh, You are blessed through this online worship well the text is that last chapter of the book of Revelation God's last word if you will and uh, particularly these verses Jesus saying behold I am coming soon and then he says I am the Alpha and the Omega the first and the last the beginning and the end and then he says I am the root and the descendant of David and then he says I am the bright morning star And he says, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they might have the right to the tree of life and that they might enter the city by the gates. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus says in that epistle lesson, behold, I am coming soon. Do you consider those words to be good news or bad news? Or another way to ask that question is, are those words printed below the returning Christ, are those law or gospel? Now let me say, as a pastor who's been around here for a long time, I would love to treat those words as the law, as a threat, not a promise. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker or the billboard sign that says, the good news is Jesus is coming again. The bad news is he's really ticked. Yeah, think of what I could do if those words were law, were a threat. I am coming soon. And what do you think he's going to say about all these empty chairs here this morning? And what's he going to say about Christians who have been so abundantly blessed and prosperous and comfortable in the United States of America, and yet they give to the mission of the church less than 2%, long way from the 10% of the Old Testament tithe. How's he going to feel about the way we respond to the less fortunate? How's he going to feel about all the smutty TV we watch or the movies we go to? How's he going to feel when he comes again about ignoring his call to spread his saving gospel, to respond to the needs of the poor, to living thankless, selfish lives? Oh, if those words were only law, could I ever have fun this morning? But they're not. Those words are gospel. These words on the screen beneath the feet of the returning Jesus are pure, sweet, encouraging, hope filled good news. They are a part of God's last word. When we started this Read Scripture Challenge way back in January and mapped out the reading schedule for what the year would be like, and then we mapped out the preaching schedule of how us three pastors would preach on the 51 Sundays since the first Sunday in January, I begged Pastor Smith at that time to assign me to this Sunday, the Sunday that starts the final week of our Read Scripture Challenge and brings us head-to-head with the book of Revelation because many of you know I love that book. God's last word. I really feel that this week we deserve a party here at St. Paul Lutheran Church. And of course we will have one on Christmas Eve in all of our five services. A Christian congregation that has together read the entire Bible from cover to cover in one year. That's pretty unique for a Christian congregation to do that. And pastors that have preached sermons from Genesis all the way to Revelation now today, over a 51-week period. That's pretty unique, too. And, oh, my, we have been so blessed, especially as this pandemic has continued to affect us and our community. And online worship is still our partner in, to in-person worship. I know, didn't, you, didn't we all hope that by this time of the year we would be back together again? I hope that day is still coming. And I respect the need for many of you folks who are joining us online to continue online worship. And I especially praise God that folks in all the other 49 states, and I believe at one time we decided at least seven countries around the world are joining us in worship. What, what a huge blessing that is. But I honestly confess before you that I pray there will come a time when we have a good health, and the strength and the confidence and the assurance that we can be back together again in the temple of our Lord. But at least we are together in the Word of God, and that's why this Read Scripture Challenge has been such a blessing. And now let's get to that last Word of God, the last chapter of God's last Word this morning, and the promise of Jesus that He is coming soon. Now he actually makes this promise three times in the book of Revelation. I think, I think he knew, I know he knew, that the persecuted church in the second century really needed some encouragement. They needed to be reminded of the truth of this promise so that they might hang in there in the midst of everything that was happening in the church and in the world and in their own personal lives back in the second century. And that's why Jesus gave to us, through the Apostle St. John, this book. By the way, it is only for Christians. The book of Revelation is not for an unbeliever. If you want to get an unbeliever reading the scripture, don't you dare give them the book of Revelation. There's nothing in there for them. The book of Revelation is only for believers to assure us that if all hell breaks loose in the world or in the church, or in our own personal lives, if we hang on to Jesus, we will win the victory. Now, of course, as you read God's last word this week, all week long, you will come across all kinds of visions and symbols and mysteries that are gonna lead you to say, this might be the last book in our Read Scripture Challenge, but I don't get it. I just don't understand. Don't go there, my friends. There are keys to unlock the mysteries of this apocalyptic book. God willing, one of these days, maybe in 2022, I'll offer that four-hour seminar where I give you all the keys to unlock this book. But for now, for this week, just read it as encouragement. Yes, there are terrible results that you will read that have been brought about by sin, by about sinful humanity. But there is hope and victory on every page as Christians hang on to Jesus. We need this good news as much as the second century Christians needed it. We may not be persecuted by the sword or by being thrown to the beasts in Rome's Colosseum, but Christians are still persecuted today. We are. By Satan's secular distractions and by the temptation to spoiled spiritual apathy and mission lethargy, Satan's is alive and well and living among us. There's a lot of things in our life, there are a lot of things on our minds in these days, and as a result, very few people even think about Christ coming again. Oh, yeah, I know many of us pray, Come Lord Jesus, when we sit down at a meal. But we don't really mean that he should come again to judge, do we? We just say, come and bless this food, huh? This fellowship we're having. We're too busy, Lord, for you to come again just now. No, no. And yet Christ is saying to us, I'm coming soon. A beautiful translation of this verse is from Eugene Peterson's paraphrase called The Message. Here's how it reads. He who testifies to these things says it again. I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. Isn't that beautiful? No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in your life, Jesus says in this last word, I'm on my way. Hang in there. I'll be there soon. Isn't that great? Now the way he is coming and when he is coming, that's not recorded. It just says I'll be there soon. And on that day, we will come face-to-face with Jesus. And the football game and the interest rates and the stock market, politics, blizzards, they will suddenly be of no interest to us at all. Not that day. On that day when we are face-to-face with Jesus, it'll be all about him. You ask, well, when we come face-to-face with Jesus, isn't that a great picture? How will he appear? How will he appear? How will he appear? He answers that. He tells us in his last word. Well, now we know that he will not be the meek and mild, humble baby born in a stable. Not this time. Not a Jesus who can be betrayed and arrested and slapped across the face and nailed to a cross. No, not this time. He will be the God-man, whose voice is like the sound of many waters, whose feet are like burnished brass, and who from his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. We read that yesterday in chapter 1. He will come on his throne. He'll be surrounded by cherubim and seraphim, right? With nail-pierced hands, oh yes, but with a crown of victory by which he redeemed the world and by which the world will be judged. He reveals himself with three images in this last chapter of God's last word. The first image, he describes himself as the Alpha and the Omega, first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. New Testament was written in Greek. He says, I am the first and I am the final. I am the beginning and I am the conclusion. If if you've covered something from A to Z, you've covered it all. There is nothing else. This is Jesus, the God-man, the divine one that's coming face-to-face. But then he says, there's a second description of what we will see. He says, he reminds us that he is of the offspring of David. I am the root and the offspring of David. The fact that Jesus traced his human ancestry to King David is referred to all over the Bible. It's all over the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament. It's reminding us that this Jesus that we face on Judgment Day, when he comes again, he didn't stop being a true man when he ascended to the Father's right hand. This Jesus that we face will be our brother. He entered our human ancestry, and it should be of real comfort to us to know that the one we face is the one who became a baby for us. Who became poor that we might become rich. And who shed human blood for us as a sin offering for you and for me. He is not only the creator of the universe, he's the one who entered his creation and became our brother. And that one that we face, face to face, who will be our king is also our brother. And he will reign forever and ever. And then he gives us this third image in this last word. He says, I'm the bright morning star. Now the morning star is the signal of a brand new day that's coming. It appears lots of times for us in the east. And for all who call upon the name of the Lord, who believe in his promises, I told you the last word is for just for Christians, Christ's second coming should give us real joyful anticipation. This is a great text for the fourth Sunday in Advent. Advent is a season of anticipation. We don't fear his coming. We look forward to it as though it was the beginning for us of a brand new day because it is. And it's a day, by the way, which will have no sunset, it will have no end. So that's the way Jesus described what he will look like when we appear before him face to face. That's how he will appear. But now the next question to get straight this morning is how will we appear? And the last word from God in the last chapter from God is that, you know what, there are only two possibilities. We will appear before him either with washed robes or unwashed robes. Now there are plenty of 21st century Americans who are perfectly willing, or at least they are Willing to spiritually gamble, that wearing an unwashed robe will be just fine. Some of them even claim to be Lutheran, sad to say. They hold to that old mentality that says, Well, I'm I'm as good as most, I'm better than some. And as a result, they either deny the judgment, bad choice, or they ignore the judgment. That's a big gamble. Or that they assume that in the judgment they'll be able to be good enough on their own to be face-to-face with Jesus. Well, Satan wins on all three of those choices. You want fire and brimstone this morning? Okay, here it comes. I warn you that if you've been deluded into any of the following conclusions, if you think that somehow God owes you For your religious behavior, you know, the good that you've put in in your life, that your civic resume ought to be worthy of God's bragging about you, or that you can maybe buy your way through the judgment, you know, bribe the judge with a good, comfortable Lutheran lifestyle, then this morning you better get rid of all those foolish notions because they're lies. Here, with all the clarity that I can share with you this morning that in God's last word he says there is only one way to face Jesus with a robe washed in the blood of the Lamb with forgiveness that is alone able to make us perfect before our God you know he created us good in the beginning and his demand is that we have to be good holy in the end you're only going to do that through Jesus' blood and righteousness. Thy beauty are my glorious dress, wherein before my God I'll stand when I shall reach the heavenly land." And hear this also while we're kind of reviewing the whole spectrum of the Read Scripture Challenge. There is no stain of sin on the robe of your life that is too indelible to be removed by the blood of Jesus. I don't care what you have done, said, or thought, there is nothing to stain a robe washed in the blood. Remember the awful sin of those Old Testament characters? You know, the ones God used to carry his covenant from Abraham to Bethlehem? Some of them were just plain awful, and he used them, right? And then the 12, yeah, they were no shining stars either the week before he died. They were still arguing about who was the greatest. Give me a break. And what did God do with Saul? Persecutor, murderer. Turned him into Paul, whom this congregation is named after, who became the greatest missionary in Christian history. He can wash every stain in our lives off of that robe with his holy precious blood. And there's no better news you're going to hear this week. Than that, that above the, cro- the manger there was a cross, and beneath the cross there was an open tomb. And we can now wear the robe of righteousness before the Lord when we appear before Him face to face on that great day. Thanks be to Jesus. Believe it, doubt it not, be assured by it, rest your eternal hope in it, celebrate it this coming week with all of the joy you can because it's what God's last word is in the Bible for. That's it. That's what this whole year, reading through the entire grace-filled biblical plan of God has been all about. And that's what he wanted his last word to assure us of. Now, on December 26th, you will have done it you will have read the entire Bible. And you know what we'll be reading on December 26th when we get to the last verse of the last chapter of God's last word? It's up there. it's Highlighted in yellow. Should come as no surprise that the last word is amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with his children, his people. Amen. That's it. I'm done. Say it with me. Amen. Amen. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we praise you for your holy word, for the journey that we have been on, and for this last week as we journey through a wonderful book that you gave just to us. A book to assure us that if all hell breaks loose in the world, and it might, in the church, it might, or in our personal lives, it might we hang on to Jesus. We will see him face to face as our brother king, as the one who has washed our robes in his holy and precious blood. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a response that we're going to sing now uh, that is just absolutely fitting for a response to God's last word, uh, because uh, it's the advent call, you know. He says, I'm coming soon, and we say, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And that's what we're going to sing. Let's stand.